Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 688 for the 26th of Tishrei in a regular year. So we've been discussing the topic of anger management in the context of believing in God. And we began this topic yesterday in beginning a new epistle in Igeris HaKodesh, Epistle 25. And just to recap, the main idea that we brought up in terms of anger management, how to control one's anger, is by coming to a recognition that everything is coming from God. So if somebody insults you, God forbid, or does something to uh, to cause damage to your property or whatever it is, this this is all coming from God. Whatever happens to you in your life is coming from God. So all of these people are messengers of God. And in failing to recognize this, this is a form of heresy. This is like we're basically saying that these people have power over us and and that they have their own individual power and it's not coming from God. So for a little bit of a context with this discussion and to understand a little bit why it is that the Altarovic chose to discuss this idea, specifically as coming from the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of the Hasidic movement, is that he actually wanted to clarify some misconceptions that the opponents of the Baal Shem Tov were perpetuating and how they misunderstood this teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. So the opponents of the Baal Shem Tov, their biggest complaint against them is they they said that he was heretical, that he was teaching things that were anti-Torah, that were not Judaism in its most traditional, authentic way. And they used this teaching actually as a proof. So they said that like, oh, see, so here it is, the the, uh, Baal Shem Tov is teaching that if somebody does something negative against another person, then they are only able to do so because the Spirit of God is within them and speaking those words for them. So it's not actually their words, it's actually God's words that are coming out of them when they're saying insults towards the other person or launching different kinds of attacks towards the other person. So the the uh, opponents of the Baal Shem Tov said, aha, so see, what you're actually saying is that God is within evil and that God is actually just as much present within evil as he is within good. And thus you're saying that there is no reason for Torah and mitzvahs because everything is God. So if everything is God, then good, bad, everything is subjective. There's no right or wrong. Everything is relative, you know, relative morality, like Torah, what's the point of Torah anymore? So the altar rabbi wanted to come and clear this, clear this up and explain what was really going on and how this is not actually the case. And so that's why he brought about this teaching and he wanted to explain it in more detail. So yesterday we began and we talked about it on it's on the basic level of this idea of how, you know, anytime you experience something, some behavior from another person that triggers feelings of anger in towards you, you should actually not feel angry towards that person because you should recognize that this person is merely acting 
um, solely because God is able to give them that power to act and to speak and all that. So it's actually coming from God. Today, we're going to go into this in a little bit of a deeper way, uh, bringing up something which I actually spoke about yesterday and we also spoke about at length in Shari Chava this idea of perpetual creation, this idea of the creation ex nihilo, something from nothing. So this is going to be a review, but it's a very important review, especially to understand the deeper levels of this conversation about anger and about good and bad in the world and all of that kind of stuff. So really just delving again into this idea that creation was not a one-time event, but creation is actually something that's happening continuously and perpetually at all times, where God is constantly creating the world something from nothing every single moment so that what that's going to translate into is this idea that when this person is standing in front of you and uh, is saying something to you that might trigger feelings of anger within you, this person in this situation is being created, tailor-made for you, something from nothing at every moment, at all times. So that's the focus of today's episode is really we're going to be delving into this idea of perpetual creation. So here we go. And again, for context, we are in the middle of Epistle 25 of Yeres HaKodesh. So the altar of it begins, again, referencing that section in Shmuel Bet, where we see that Shimi cursed David. And he says that this is the reference to when we say uh, that, that God told him what to do, that it was really at that moment when he was cursing David, then God was at that moment providing Shimi with the life to speak those words. And then the altar Rebbe goes on and he continues to quote the verse, which says, meaning, and who is to say, but the altar Rebbe adds the word lo, which means him. So to, to unpack this a little bit, I think it, it would be worthwhile to look at the actual Pasuk uh, from Shmuel Bet. So this is from Shmuel Bet, chapter 16, verse 10. And that section of the verse, which is important to us, is where it says, um, so uh, what that literally, the way that literally translates is to mean, so let him curse, meaning this is the that guy Shimi, let him curse because the Lord has surely said to him, curse David, who then shall have the right to say, why have you done so? So, okay, so it's a little tricky going between the English and the Hebrew here, but like the verse is the literal, like more simplistic reading of the verse is that basically it's saying that that God told Shimi to curse David. And so thus, who has the right to go against, to, to say anything against this, right? But the altar adds a word to this. He says, who shall say to him, lo. And what's the lo? The lo, it seems to imply to God, meaning to say that not only is it that God like told Shimi to curse David, but actually God is vivifying Shimi while he's actually cursing David. That's the point that the altar is is trying to bring out here, that it's really, there is nothing but God. And so it's in, in Shimi speaking, that's really uh, God, you know, manifesting Shimi's speech. So then the altar goes on and he says, as is known, the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov uh, on the Pasuk, that that's a Pasuk from Tehillim chapter 119, verse 89, that forever, God, your words stand firm in the heavens. So we spoke about this again in, in other portions of Tanya, that the, the way that the Baal Shem Tov explained this is he said that it's not just like a poetic way of saying that forever, like your words are eternal and like, so, you know, everlasting or whatever, but it's literally that your words, your actual words of speech 
your actual the the combinations of letters that the word that the the heavens and the earth were created with that the actual word says that there will be a firmament in the heavens that saying that is actually found in this week's Parsha where we see the creation of the world that saying itself those those letters that make up that saying are standing firmly in the heavens forever to vivify them and to bring them keep them in existence Unlike the philosophers who deny Hashkacha Pratas, who are who go against uh, Hashkacha Pratas, the divine providence, and they uh, they think with their their misunderstanding, they liken God's deeds to de- who makes the heavens and the earth to the deeds of man and to the machinations of man. Because what happens when a person goes out to make some kind of vessel, then after they make the vessel, then the vessel does not need the make the maker anymore, right? Like if a, if a person makes a cup or something like that or a plate or whatever it is, you know, then they go away and the plate and the plate exists. Um, and even when the person goes away, even though the, the person's hands are no longer on that cup or plate that they were forming, let's say like out of pottery or however it was, then the pot, the pot or the cup or the plate still exists. And so the altar rabbi says that these philosophers can't see the great difference between God's work and his machinations and which is the idea of something from something, yesh miyesh, uh, which is only changing all, all that's happening is there's a change in form and a change in the appearance of the matter versus the action of um, the works of, of heaven and earth, which is the work of something from nothing, the work of Yashmi Ayn, right? Which is something that's even greater. This is an action, this action of ex nihilo, which we spoke about at great length earlier in the Tanya. But again, this is a reiteration here. It's even greater than the splitting of the sea. Why is it even greater than the splitting of the sea? By way of an example, is because with the splitting of the sea, what happens? What happened is that the throughout the entire night, so we know that there was water, right? And then God continuously blew uh, into the water so that the water would lift up. And if God would stop blowing this wind, then for even a moment, then the water would come back and it would go down into its into flow in its usual way. And it would not stand anymore like a like a wall, right? So like in the time of the splitting of the sea, the water went against its nature and it stood up like a wall versus like its nature is really to flow downwards, right? And so if God were to stop, the only thing that was keeping the water from not flowing downward and instead standing up like a like a wall at that time is because God was blowing wind into it. And so if God were to stop doing this, then the water would go down. However, the ultra points out that even this nature itself, the nature of the water, like it's not like people say like mother nature, you know, nature, whatever. Where does this nature come from? This nature itself, it comes from a yeshmi ayin, from ex nihilo, from something or nothing. God created the nature, right? So we see that like, for example, we see that rocks stand without any wind because uh, this is their nature and the nature of water is not to do this. So all the more so, so when we talk about like how great it is that God changed the nature of the water, then what we're missing, the thing that's even greater than just like changing the nature of the water and having it stand when it usually flows is uh, the creation something from nothing. This is something that is way above nature and it's something even greater. This is an even greater wonder than the splitting of the sea. And all the more so, 
if God were to withdraw, God forbid, his creative power, his power of something from nothing from the creation, then the entire creation would revert to not and nothingness at all, right? Just like if God were to stop blowing that wind into the water to have it stop standing um, like a like a wall, then it would revert back to flowing like the way water usually flows. So the, the nature of existence is nothingness. It's actually we come from nothing. So if God were to stop for a moment, flowing that power into us, then we would revert to nothingness. So we constantly need this power in us in order to keep us in existence, in order, order to vivify us. Uh, and what is this power that keeps us alive, that keeps us present and, and existing in reality? This is what we know of as the Deval Hashem, the word of God, and the spirit of God's mouth. And this is manifest in the 10 utterances through which the world was created which again this is what this week's parsha so it's very close to home for us you can actually like read them in this week's parsha and see this is the entirety of existence is dependent upon these 10 sayings and this is true even for like the the really physical aspects of this world even the the inanimate aspects of this world all of their existence comes from the word of hashem from the word of god from the 10 utterances through which which are which are vested within them and keep them in existence and bring this these inanimate objects into a something from nothing so that they will not revert to not and nothingness as they were once before and this is what the original taught that even within the domain that like the rocks and the dust and the water they also have an aspect of spirit and vitality and spirituality within them so this is the basis of the arizal's teaching and this is where the altar rabbi leaves us off for today and he's going to continue with this discussion tomorrow when we continue along in this epistle so stay tuned and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.